What's up, guys? This is your girl, Aki. On this episode 17 of the podcast, I sit down and I talk to Sue Hamid. She is co-founder of Platinum Mortgage and an award-winning businesswoman. So I'm excited to bring to you this episode. We talk about small businesses through COVID-19. What are some of the remedies out there to really help small businesses navigate through COVID-19 and just overall what you should be doing if you're a side hustler, if you're self-employed, and uh, you know, even if you're looking to buy a property or sell a property, what you should be looking into, what you shouldn't be looking into, and how to really navigate through COVID-19 with financial intelligence. So sit back, enjoy the episode, and feel free to ask me any questions. Cheers. Take hold of your freedom, take hold of your future with the financial savvy girl. Well, 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 welcome to the Financially Savvy Girl podcast. This is your girl, Aki, and I am so happy to be here. Episode 17, and guess what, guys? I have a surprise for you. We have a guest speaker. Here we are navigating still through COVID-19, and I believe this is the stage. This is not a usual recession, you know? Uh, We are seeing the intentional attempt at slowing down the economy as part of social distancing. This is a stage where we're responding. Stage one, we're responding to COVID-19 and the top economic priority aside, obviously from fighting the virus is to provide basic income support. So the guest speaker that I have for you today is none other than Sue Hamid. She is a wife. She is a mother. She is a mortgage broker and co-founder of Platinum Mortgage Ottawa. Hello, Sue. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Hello, Aki. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited. And Sue, you are essentially doing everything all at once. So I'm happy to even talk to you and hear how do you do it all. Uh, But let me just uh, properly give you your introduction so the listener can really have a better understanding. Uh, So as I said, she's a mortgage broker. Uh, She's a mother. uh, She's a wife. You are also co-founder of uh, Platinum Mortgage Ottawa. Uh, You grew up in Ottawa and you grew up with a family-owned business and you've started uh, at a very young age learning the ropes alongside your dad. Um, who I happen to know, and uh, families are pretty close. So your experience in the family business, Sue, uh, has really given you a very well-rounded base knowledge of everything, guys, uh, from sales, from customer service, to accounting and marketing. Using her knowledge and experience has really helped Sue skyrocket her mortgage business in every aspect in a very short period of time. She's received numerous awards for top volume and mortgage funding, and she's currently ranked 
in the top 1%, guys, of mortgage broker across Canada. You know I don't just have anybody as a guest on the podcast. So uh, definitely finding the very best for you so that you can have financial intelligence for your personal financial growth. And in addition to that, Sue um, also has uh, a three-time, she's also a three-time recipient of the Ottawa Favorite Mortgage Broker with Faces Magazine. Sue has a deep understanding of how running a business works and what it takes to succeed. So she's a mortgage broker, but she's a business owner as well. So definitely a wealth of knowledge for, for everyone listening to the podcast. She currently runs a team of over 20 agents in addition to managing her own mortgage clients. She thrives in dealing with complex mortgage situation, creating viable solution for her client. Sue is a highly experienced in both residential and commercial finance, so she can especially help business owners determine the best plan uh, for business funding uh, by analyzing both their personal and business assets to come up with the best solution. Uh, definitely someone that I recommend if you have any question, and she is also one of our guest speaker at the Financially Savvy Girl Level Up uh, event that had to be postponed, but we look forward to, to eventually have you once, uh, you know, <laughs> social isolation loosens up a little bit. So uh, Sue, again, welcome to the Financially Savvy Girl podcast. Thank you, Aki. Thank you for the warm introduction. I truly appreciate it. Definitely, Sue. So um, here we are, Sue. And uh, we're still trying to navigate through everything. Now, we know, obviously, the government has put in place uh, a lot of uh, aid uh, for members of our society. And I kind of just wanted to go over some of the resources, the package, uh, but specifically for small business owners and with employees. Why don't we just start from there? You know, what is your understanding of what's in place for that? and um, we'll go from there. For sure, yeah. So the government has, I mean, really worked very hard to implement uh, funding for small business owners. They're trying to move as quickly as possible. I don't think we've ever seen the government move this fast on uh, passing legislation to get money into individuals' hands quickly. And so that's very positive. Nonetheless, there are certain business owners that are falling through the cracks. They don't meet the criteria specifically. And I know that that's constantly being revisited. Right. Uh, but a couple of the main ones that have been launched out for business owners is of course the, uh, the Canadian business loan, the $40,000 loan that you can get through your banking institution. Okay. Can you and tell us a bit about that? For sure. The criteria for that one is you need to have had a minimum of 50,000 on payroll in 2019 up to a million. So, this is great for you know small businesses maybe with one or two or three staffs or even medium-sized businesses with more staff and they can apply through your banking institution so you actually log in you should have already actually received an email from your bank whether it's cibc td rbc um, scotia i've seen lots of uh, copies from clients of what they're receiving and how the instructions are to go in on your online banking and submit the application. Right. But to actually see in the last couple of days, people are getting approved and they're seeing it on their banking profile now that they have the 40K is approved and the access to the funds are coming. So what happens if you don't have payroll 
or uh, you pay your employee, you don't pay your employees as salaried staff. Instead, you're paying independent contractors. Right. So this has been brought up numerous times. There's lots of business owners who have lobbied together. They're bringing it to the government's attention. Uh, we're hoping and hearing that they're working on it and they're trying to get to something that will help uh, these business owners as well to get through this period. Wow. So definitely things are still being developed as we find some of the uh, loopholes and cracks uh, where people are still not being properly uh, assisted, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then there was also the wage subsidy that was uh, implemented so that employers can keep their employees on payroll and get a subsidy for the wages. And uh, that's been, you know, great for many business owners. Again, some are falling through the cracks. So I think the most important thing right now is um, if you're in a situation where you have fallen through the cracks, you don't qualify for either of those uh, loan programs or wage subsidy is finding out what other access to funds you can get in the short term until hopefully they present something that will help your, your circumstances. Okay. And what about you? You've mentioned when it comes to you, uh, you have 20 agents. So what type of structure do you have for your business? And uh, maybe your experience and what you're doing as a result of COVID can really help someone else in their business. Absolutely. Well, uh, we are considered an essential service as mortgage brokers. So uh, thankfully, we haven't had to shut down our operations. Of course, we've had to modify operations, you know, working from home, right. uh, homeschooling children at the same time, <laughs> lots of many hats going on. You and I have chatted about it. Yes. And, uh, as far as our agents go, they are also all considered independent contractors. So uh, they are paid on commission basis. So they don't fall into the category of salaried employees, that's for sure. Um, I also have my own admin staff and my admin staff is uh, paid as independent contractors as well because they work from home remotely. Okay. And so uh, thankfully we're still doing business and thankfully they're still working. So I don't uh, have to, you know, access any of the government uh, programs as far as that goes. But I think that the most important thing is that, you know, contacting uh, your bank to see if you can apply if you haven't gotten an email and contacting uh, resources on the government to see if you qualify. And then there's also, I didn't mention it, uh, the BDC and Export Development Canada are trying to do uh, business loans uh, for businesses suffering during this COVID pandemic. Uh, however, it, Export Development and BDC are both known to take a little bit longer. So this is not immediate relief. It's a process. Okay. What about, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I always talk to people who are starting their own side hustle, they're starting their own business, uh, but they're not at the level yet where they're making even fifty thousand uh, mm -hmm. dollars. What about those businesses? You know, people who are not really making a lot of money yet, but it was still their livelihood, and they were comfortable with whatever they were making. And I'm thinking about some of my millennial, um, you know, viewers uh, and. They still want to be able to make money, but they can't because, you know, they can't quite do the job as they used to be able to. What about them? Have you seen anything out there that's here to uh, assist them? I have, yeah. A lot of the smaller businesses that um, have significantly reduced income, like I'm talking, you know, 75, 85, 90% reduction. They're only able to make a little bit by doing some online things. Right. These ones... 
uh, previously fell out of the criteria for CERB. CERB is uh, the $2,000 a month that you can receive. Exactly. And before yesterday, uh, you could not make any income during the period in order to qualify. But uh, Justin Trudeau announced yesterday that you could make up to $1,000 in regular income and still qualify for the CERB for the 2000. So I think that's huge for businesses like the one you mentioned who can't be fully operational, but maybe they can still do some of their business online and make a little bit of revenue instead of none and have the support of the CERB that will potentially help them get through the next few months. That is awesome. And the way they apply for this is the same way that they would have normally applied for the C, uh, the CERB, right? Correct. Yeah. My understanding is uh, they're waiting for the government side, I guess, to be updated or the questions to be updated so that you can indicate that you've made under a thousand in income and then you can still get it. So I think this announcement was huge and it helps so many small business owners, many of them I know personally, were so happy yesterday when the announcement was made. Well, yeah, definitely. You know, um, yeah, I think that's great news. And I think our listeners will really, really, really like to hear that. Um, now, from more of a real estate perspective, I'm sure as a broker, your business has been affected, as you've already mentioned. Uh, but what are you seeing uh, being sort of the real estate trend during COVID-19. There's been no visits, so you can't quite visit any homes as a potential buyer or as a seller. A lot of sellers are being advised to really not, you know, post, um, put their house up on the market right now. So what are some of the trend that you're seeing um, from a broker's side? For sure. There's been a huge modification in, in the last uh, couple of weeks of March and into April where you know, realtors are doing virtual showings, um, essential requirements are, are being completed. So buyers that have already sold their home prior to, to COVID and were looking for a home, the next home to move into, uh, these ones, they have to get, they have to be able to look at some homes virtually and put offers. So these transactions have continued on. Okay. The statistics say that there was a drop as expected in resales in March and in the first two weeks of April, they're definitely down from last year. What I think will happen is that we're just going to have a, um, a backlog of people who tabled their home purchasing for now. And once things start opening up, opening up again, um, whether that be in June or July or whenever we're able to get back to uh, somewhat of a normal routine, that's when I think the backlog is going to come in and we're going to have a rush of backlog of buyers who are all sitting on the sidelines right now. They're all just going to come out at the same time. This is what I think is going to happen. So whether that's in June or July or whenever we, we get back to opening things up. Okay. Okay. Uh, so from a real estate investor perspective, uh, would you call this a, or have we shifted into a buyer's market at this point or is it too soon to tell? I think it's too soon to tell. I think we've seen a very short term um, slowdown, but that could quickly change when things open up again. We were in a very, very uh, heavy seller's market before this happened in March. And uh, the prediction was an extremely busy spring and a very busy year in real estate. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if there is a shift when things open up again, or if we kind of go back right to the same uh, level of routine that we were doing. I feel like this is like that video. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My daughter was just walking in and she walked out. 
Okay. So yeah, no, that's, that, that's great. So it's still too soon to tell, but definitely we've seen a move away from this heavy seller market that we were experiencing last year and early this year. So hopefully from a buyer's perspective, uh, we can continue to see some changes um, from that perspective that becomes more beneficial for buyers. Um, now, would you say from a seller's perspective, is it a good time to, to try to sell your property? So, I mean, it's difficult. It's challenging right now. There's a lot of sellers who are waiting. I would say the sellers who are listing right now are listing because they have to. They have already bought another home or they have a new build that's coming up and they have to list their house. Uh, so would I say it's a good time? Um, not necessarily because you have less buyers coming in. Now on the buyer side, I've had numerous clients who lost out on so many bidding wars in, in January and February and the beginning of March, and they were actually able to secure a property in the last few weeks. So for them, it's definitely helped them get into something. Uh, whereas 30 days prior to, they were competing with 30, 40 offers. So now exactly. it's helping though, if you were a buyer and you, you need to get into something and there's something on the market that you like right now, then I would say it's a good opportunity to, to make that offer. And, and it also puts you as a buyer in a better position to negotiate some of those prices, right? I mean, especially Absolutely. if you have more, um, not desperate, but somewhat desperate sellers trying to uh, sell the property. So that's definitely advantageous. Mm -hmm, for sure. So what do you recommend uh, people to do during this period of time? Um, so, I mean, my biggest recommendation uh, early on after everything happened in the middle of March, I did a live, uh, a live on Facebook regarding mortgage deferrals. Right. And this has been like the number one conversation I would say in the last few weeks is mortgage deferrals because the government announced uh, that the banks are allowing, allowing mortgage deferrals uh, for up to six months. Automatically, the perception was that everyone will get this automatically. They don't have to apply for it. So there was a lot of education in those first few weeks that the mortgage deferrals are not automatic. You have to apply and be approved. Yes. Now, on the flip side of that, it's also understanding how will this deferral affect you in the future. And I think that is a huge uh, missing piece of information for, for people who have a mortgage right now is they need to know if they defer the payments, how much extra interest are they payment paying? Uh, is their payment going to change at the end of the deferral period? So are they going to defer for six months and then all of a sudden have an increase in payment by a couple of hundred dollars? Right. All of these are so important because every institution uh, can have different ways of treating deferrals. So I've been luckily copied or CC'd or forwarded lots of communication from my clients about what the lenders are saying to them. And I've seen everything from, you know, the interest is going to be capitalized to the end of the term. I've seen uh, your amortization um, can be increased if we have to. I've seen one lender said, you know, at the end of six months, we'll see where you're at and decide how we want you to repay. How does that make sense? That's like left up there. You can't even make an informed decision. Exactly. And that one, that particular one scared me a little because I said, you know, this client could potentially be asked to pay the six months deferral, you know, back when everything is done, you know, within six months, like added in increments onto their existing payment or within a year. We don't know. They left it very vague. So 
what we don't want is people to be at the end of the deferral period uh, and of course have gone through some financial constraints due to COVID and now be hit with higher payments, right? Yeah, that definitely, definitely don't want that. So in essence, would you say if you don't have to defer your mortgage, don't defer your mortgage? Absolutely. I've, uh, I've definitely discussed it with so many clients that if you have that, you know, emergency fund savings, if you're getting uh, the benefits from the government, uh, if luckily one of you, if your partners, one of you are still working, one of you is not, if you can make it work, then definitely make it work because uh, the deferrals can, can cause issues later on. So it's kind of a last resort. You know, you've lost all of your income. The government assistance is not going to be enough to cover your mortgage payments and your bills. Then yes, you have no other choice, right? So it's really looking at your financial uh, situation and determining if this is something that you have to do or is it something you're doing because you just want to be careful and safe and and you know hide away a little bit of extra money every month by not paying mortgage they're two different things right and that latter is definitely not what you want to do <laughs> yeah exactly no exactly and i've after explaining this to to a lot of my clients they've turned around and said okay no i'm actually good for the next three months yeah so then i might have to do something and make a decision at that time right so super important to not rush the gun and we know that a lot of people did because the lenders were absolutely overwhelmed with deferral requests in the first few weeks like they haven't even been able to keep up with the backlog i'm hearing some people are getting their referral their deferral responses three weeks later after requesting it wow okay so if you have no choice definitely look into it but as you're looking into it make sure that you understand from the lender because this is not coming the response is not coming from the government. That's another misconception. It's coming from the actual lender that you have to get in touch with and make sure that you fully understand what are the terms uh, of the, the deferred, uh, the mortgage def defer with that specific lender. Because from what I'm hearing from you, Sue, it seems like different lenders have different responses of how they're going to be dealing with this uh, post uh, COVID-19. Absolutely. It's very lender specific. Uh, the only circumstances where it's standard is if you have an insured mortgage through CMHC, Genworth, or Canada Guarantee, that means you put less than 20% down when you bought the home. Right. But they're handling it uh, primarily as capitalization of interest at the end of the term, so the payment will not change. But if you're not insured and you're going directly to your institution for the deferral, that's when it's discretionary. They get to decide how they treat the deferral and even if they approve the deferral. Okay, that's actually really good to know. So Sue, obviously we're gonna have you more. Uh, we're gonna have an update from you, you know, once we, three months down COVID or so, and we definitely will have more of you uh, on that panel once we're able to. Uh, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, you know, tell people a little bit about your business. Uh, what is it that you do? And just because this is a, a financial personal finance uh, podcast and a personal finance platform, you know, just any word of advice that you have for our listeners. And then I'll have one last question for you. Okay. Awesome. So I, the way that I've always conducted business is it's not a transactional approach at all. It's a relationship approach. So I'm really analyzing 
you know, my clients overall well-being. It's not just about what you need right now. It's what you need now and what will happen in the long term. And I think this is the biggest difference between, you know, dealing with somebody who has uh, your best interests at heart and the long-term approach. What we're going to see happen in the next um, six to eight months, unfortunately, is a lot of people are going to try to go get more debt to solve the debt problem, right? Which never works. <laughs> it never works without a solution at the end. So, I mean, if I have a client right now who is in emergency need of, let's say, you know, 10, 20, $30,000, maybe they're a business owner. If we look at their mortgage situation, as a second mortgage for that, we have to have a plan of how we're going to get rid of that Band-Aid. It's a Band-Aid at the end of the day, right? right? So there's no sense in putting a Band-Aid on top of a Band-Aid and then six months down the road, they're going to need another Band-Aid. <laughs> and that is where people start spiraling. and you cover debt with debt and then eventually you can't get any more debt. And then you have all this debt that you've accumulated to make payments on. So it's a strategy. We have to look at what's best right now and what are the options. I've blatantly told clients in the past to sell their home. I've told them if I get you more money right now, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to sustain it. And so your solution should be to sell, wipe out your debt, and start fresh. And it's hard to tell people that sometimes and it's hard for them to hear it because a lot of people, their first instinct is to solve the problem, fix it, right? And also when it comes to their, their homes, there's emotional attachment to it, right? So I think it's right. hard for people to know that. But when you become a little bit more, um, you know, financially uh, intelligent uh, mm -hmm. about your personal finance and what's you know, the best strategy for you. It's a decision that you can make uh, despite the pain that it may cause because you understand that this is a small-term sacrifice for a long-term gain, right? Exactly. And once someone understands that, then they're willing to analyze the options and really look at, okay, this is going to be painful right now, but in six months or one year, I'm going to be back, I'm rebounded, and I'm ready to go. And so it's literally the difference between uh, – I would say short-term pain and long-term gain versus long-term pain happening because of the situation. So we really try to analyze uh, the exit strategy, which is super important. I've already seen a ton of advertising online, which is painful that says get more debt. You know, here's a loan for one year with no payments. Well, those kind of loans, especially if they're worded as no fees and no payments or they, they look too good to be true, they are too good to be true because at the end of that year, you're going to be paying a lot more than you would have doing other, doing other things. Right. I always say there's no such thing as no interest. There's only deferred interest. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's always interest somewhere. So um, don't, don't get into that panic um, solution. That's what I have to tell people is that don't rush and jump the gun. If, if you're offered something that looks like it's too good to be true, or you don't know how you're going to get out of that extra debt that you're taking out, seek a second opinion. Because if we're not, we're not doing our jobs properly, if we don't explain to our clients uh, the exit plan, the strategy to get out of whatever financing we're arranging for them short term. Thank you so much, Sue. Thank you so much. Uh, you've shared a wealth of uh, knowledge here and uh, I'm sure the listeners will definitely benefit and can apply this to their personal 
finance and their situation through COVID-19. The last question that I have for you, and I'm always asking this to any guest on the podcast, if you had to place this in terms of priority, uh, we're talking uh, love, uh, power, and um, wealth, what would you place? Oh, wow. Priority. Okay. So, um, love, power, and wealth, right? Are the three. So, and this is business or personal? <laughs> it's <too> both. <laughs> both. Okay. Well, I would have to say that love is number one for sure. Right. Uh, you have to love what you're doing. Uh, you have to love yourself for sure. You have to believe in yourself to be successful. And I think that's like the foundation the base work for it absolutely um second i would say is power because uh, when you feel powerful or you have power you're in control to make decisions that is uh, very very important and the wealth to me is third and i'll explain the why is because if you have the first two the wealth will follow i absolutely agree love it thank you so much sue thank you there you have it, guys. So make sure to follow us at financially underscore savvy girl on Instagram. And also, if you listen to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, make sure that you not only follow the podcast, but that you also rate us for more visibility. And if you're on Spotify, follow us for future uh, updates of episodes of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay financially savvy. Take hold of your freedom, take hold of your future with the fire.